is toying with him now. I mean, I don't care about her <laughs> at all. I do not care. Hey, Caitlin. How are you this week? Hi, Chris. I'm really good. How are you? Good. We have a guest. We do. We have a guest, and we're finally talking about Racket Magazine issue number three. So what better guest than the person who wrote the cover story on Maria Sharapova? The wonderful, luminous, incredible writer, Sarah Nicole Prigget. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> she, she calls every guest luminous. So. Do I? No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Not at yeah, all. Yeah, you got luminous. You have a pretty good skincare routine. There you if go. You, we haven't met in person, but if your skin doesn't radiate, I'm going to be really disappointed. Okay, so let's get into it. You wrote an amazing story. You have never written about tennis before have you written about tennis before no I don't think that I have um I hadn't even read certain canonical texts about I think I had read the David Foster Wallace essay about tennis at one point and of course tennis is in his book but in the first issue you had Sasha Farrah Jones writing about John Jeremiah Sullivan writing about David mm-hmm. Foster Wallace on tennis. <laughs> yeah, it was very meta. It was yes. very meta. <laughs> I, I remember it being some sort of like human, human centipede of male white tennis <laughs> writing. And I will read that piece now, but I didn't before I started because I thought, well, if I know how tennis is supposed to be written about, I'll never be able to do it myself. And that really speaks to, I think, why we wanted you to write for us, because I'm, first of all, a massive, massive fan of Adult Magazine. Could you just briefly describe what that is? It's called um, a magazine for the new erotics. Am I getting that uh, right? New erotics. I forget why we why we called it that. I liked the sound of erotics, like athletics, politics, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't stand the word erotica. The idea of like being a mature person means having some sort of like relationship with your sexuality and also in a way that's sort of 70s Scandinavian. Yes, uh, sex ed. Yeah. Scandinavian sex ed videos. People like, well, sex education in this country is uh, abysmal relative to sex education. Yes, I guess in Scandinavia, but also like in England, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even the English. Um can teach you how to lie back and think of the country better than they can over here. And so I I guess there could be an educational element, but there's also like an aspirational thing. Calling an adult is very literally aspirational to me. Mm -hmm. And when I had the idea for it, I was, you know, 26 and felt that I wasn't growing up fast enough. When I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, I wasn't allowed to read Seventeen magazine, but Seventeen was what everyone wanted to read. And then when mm-hmm. you get to be 17, you're like, that's kid stuff. I want to read a Vogue. So <laughs> I thought, some, you know, it is not itself a mature publication, I don't think. Although it's certainly not like, um, it's not teenage. It's not like... Uh, it doesn't look like the internet or anything like that. I think no, that's the internet what I love about should look it. more like the internet and magazines should look more like magazines. Also, what I really like about Racket is the the design feels and therefore the content feels more exclusive to print. Mm-hmm. 
we did two that... print issues and then, and, you know, the second issue got closer to what we wanted to do. And if we do a third one, which I do want, but as you know, it's hard to publish independently. I don't trust anyone really at this point in my life. And so I'm in no rush to, um, to make a decision about it, lest that decision be bad. Also, it's just a lot of time and I'm yeah. torn between wanting to do the magazine again and do a book. But yeah, we have to, we have to rebuild the website and we will put that back up just so that all the work that was there will be there again and will be um, kept safer and will also be more accessible. Like, we'll just have to have like some dumb misspelling. I don't really know how you could misspell <laughs> adult. Except just like take the U.S. Yeah, late 2000s. Um, electro band way, ADLT. No, we could like change. Doesn't Racket, isn't Racket misspelled on Twitter? Yeah. For some reason? Yeah. Yeah. The reason, the reason is um, I was registering for it and somebody who has tweeted like last in 2007 or something is sitting on the other one. So I just finally got frustrated and misspelled it on purpose because I am an impatient person. I think it's I think, so funny that you went that route rather than like just putting an underscore. Or like... Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> David was thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that kind of tells you about the kind of person I am. I have almost no discipline or self-control. Isn't that and what they I call an unforced error? Oh, great point. Okay. Now <laughs> let's segue into your wonderful um, cover story, which I absolutely loved. And I feel like, first of all, let me just recount the story from when I first called you. Um, and Sasha Fair Jones had recommended that we we ask you. He was like, this is the best writer I know. And I was like, well, your taste is impeccable. Um, and I obviously knew your That's work. so funny. Um, so I called you up and you had this like very, very sultry voice. And I was, I remember asking you, I was like, oh, is now okay? And you were like, no, I just sound like this. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I love it. I feel like the way that you write is maybe similar to the way that you talk in the sense that it's like very like your piece was so 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 considered which is what I was hoping for because we don't have a ton of that in the tennis space in the sense that mm. you know a lot of these players are treated as you know stars in this machine which is necessary for marketing <laughs> or you know there's like very sort of feeble attempts to either in their own words or you know kind of armchair psychoanalyze them and you went a really different route that I was really pleased about and you know I would love to hear you sort of talk about when you kind of started in on what you thought your approach would be to tackle this woman who's very very famous but kind of impenetrable she is not someone I I can't even imagine having the desire to penetrate her Mm. I can't really express how little I care about Maria Sharapova <laughs> personally. <laughs> so many other options. That has remained unchanged through the entire writing of the piece. I thought she was an interesting subject because she is opaque. Oh. She's not good at <laughs> describing, speaking for herself. And although she's very media savvy and although her silence is often the best tactic, she speaks, but she doesn't say anything. That kind of silence. Right. A silence even when she has the mic. And so that's like, um, you know, it's it's old-fashioned in a way, although she is not like an old-fashioned glamour girl or something like that. But she's she's smart and correct in, um, in, in not saying a lot a lot of the time. Because, you know, even when she does, I don't think this is in the piece, but... At one point, they asked her, I don't know, for a magazine or something, they're like, who would your three ideal mixed doubles partners be? And she said, 
I forget one, and one was Vladimir Putin, and one was James Bond. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're just like, oh my god. Well, one of those guys is Caitlin's favorite person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see things like, wow, I'd love to hear more. You know, <laughs> I did put in the thing about like, because I thought it was so funny that she was like, well, I'm very proud to be Russian, and I also have many Russian gay and lesbian friends. So she either says nothing or she tries to say everything. Two things both of what she's supposed to say, which happened to perfectly cancel each other out. So we're right back to her having said nothing. But that's what makes it um, interesting for a writer because you think like, well, I can try to write a more interior uh, portrait of this person. And really, who's to say that I'm wrong? Because there's no evidence on display of her interior life, you know? So that's sort of um, the, you know, the opening and talking about where she's from and how green the grass is, fields in America. I have no idea what she thinks, if anything, about the way a field looks under light, uh, you know, at 11 p.m. off a highway. I just know that that's something that I love, and it, it's easy to imagine somebody in her circumstances loving it and whatever. And there was like a quote about her talking about Wimbledon, her first juniors tournament, and that was as close as she ever gets to being romantic. And that was a, that's you know the famous tournament on grass. So I, you know, I just, I just took my own image. And this one quote, which is a rare occasion on which she sounds, yeah, sounds like a bit of a romantic. And and I just made up the beginning and the ending, really. <laughs> I've honestly, I've never it's encountered crazy. anyone metaphorizing green like that. Yeah, and I thought, you know, about her having been like this novice and this virgin and, um, you know, very, very virginal figure with the gold cross and fantasize about in a similar way to Britney Spears and also someone who like Britney she's like the classic she's the girl who peaks in high school you know we have gotten players to talk with us you know in journalistic uh mm -hmm. you know in in pieces but we kind of knew Maria was going to be a long shot but obviously we sort of tried to go through the channels we contacted her agent at IMG we I happened to know her book publisher at William Morris in fact I was a little bit relieved when we didn't only because you don't get much I think it's mm -hmm. rare for them to be sort of forthcoming I wanted you to go deep into that place imagining the interior and I you did in a way that is totally as plausible as anything else to me anyway well, all women are compared to all other women at every point in our lives. Yeah. And actually, if there's any regret I have about the piece, I think I should have like explained or elaborated on the comparisons, which mostly served to, I don't know, to position these women in the larger the world, the world outside tennis, you know, so saying that like Maria is like Ivanka that is supposed to signal, of course, like what is problematic about Maria without having to get into like a really heavy handed explanation. And presumably everybody who reads a magazine like yours uh, shares my views or at least my lack of sympathy toward Ivanka. But then with the Taylor Swift and Beyonce comparison, um, you know, that was also like obvious and also serves the same purpose of like, you know, setting up the... Um, a disparity in talent and then another disparity, the opposite one in terms of like pay. 
Although that, you know, Serena, I think last year when Maria wasn't playing, then did become the highest earning uh, player for that year. Yeah, only then, though, is the the point. So, like, but I guess I kind of forget that not everyone who reads that will be like, oh, yeah, obviously Beyonce is the, the greatest female performer, which I think she is. Like, in just, like, a totally, like, obvious, unquestionable way, where it has nothing to do with how I personally feel about Beyonce. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, to me, she's beyond personal opinion at this point. So is Serena as a player. Um, And, you know, so for me as a a white woman, sorry, uh, (laughs) (laughs) like to to write about Serena, uh, to write about, sorry, Maria is more interesting and also possible in a way that like writing about Serena would not be. But my opinion about Serena doesn't matter. That's why I thought it was so funny that people on Twitter took issue with the description. Yeah, because talk a little bit wasn't... about that. Oh, well, it's so very few people. I mean, unless there are people who are not, you know, um, adding me directly, talking to me directly on Twitter and are, like, taking their complaints to their own audience. I don't know. Um, because I haven't tracked like every reaction to the piece and I don't really know how to do that. But just there are like a few people who I guess just follow long reads or follow tennis and love Serena and thought that I should have used different words to describe her. I don't know. Leonine was one that people sort of felt like was a little bit problematic. I mean, you know. I I love that. Yeah, there's, I don't know who this person was, but she, she kept asking if I knew what the words I use meant. And usually I wouldn't even respond. It's only because it's because the subject is important, the subject of race and representation. And, and you do have to sometimes take extra care. But I don't feel, I guess no one does feel their own bias, but I don't feel like I have to overcompensate or just compensate for anything in describing Serena. Meaning I have like zero... I have almost no personal opinion about her and no sense of anything except her greatness. And then, you know, to describe her, I just watched her play, you know, in videos as I have watched her play. In fact, Serena and Venus Williams are the only players I remember from being a teen and my dad would watch tennis. About the word leonine, it's that it's a word you would use to describe the supermodel Giselle Bunchen. I didn't think of it as being uh, a racialized word at all. And then when a stranger on Twitter is like, you know, you described her as a brawny animal. I was like, what are you talking about? I, <laughs> I wouldn't describe an animal as leonine. Are you insane? <laughs> yeah. I would describe like a woman as leonine because that's, that's how I like to describe women. I mean, if anything, I should be faulted for it being a cliche to describe <laughs> women <laughs> as being cat-like. I once described Kristen Stewart as being like a a stray cat who despises your kindness. This was like after a 10-minute <laughs> interview with her. No one gave me trouble about that. But of course, you know, a white woman describing Kristen Stewart does not lend itself necessarily to the problematic, whereas anyone describing Serena does. I don't know. I don't follow tennis commentary closely enough to know what kinds of words are used about or against Serena, but I have read, of course, the great Claudia Rankine essay about Serena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting when you talk about access. She wrote 
about uh, Serena for the New York Times Magazine a couple years after she wrote the Serena Williams essay. And the essay is far superior, I think. If I'm remembering this correctly, she interviewed her. And you could tell from her questions that the image that she had and which she built up so like beautifully and unforgettably in her essay did not fit the person that she met. But why would it? And why should it really? It doesn't have to. And and so, yeah, when you say that, like, you were relieved that we didn't get access to Maria Sharapova, so am I, because it would have been a, a, a more um, factual and quite boring piece. Well, maybe not. I mean, one thing I was going to say, and like, this might be wishful thinking, but a lot of people who, after they're out of the spotlight, are, mm-hmm. you know, they could be more sort of self-examining. Like, look at what Andre Agassi concocted with, I think, probably the help of a great ghostwriter, but a very sort of, like inward facing self-aware you know autobiography and I feel like maybe you know if there is a time that Maria is you know sort of willing to open up a little bit more maybe you're the person maybe now you're perfectly situated to go <laughs> no. in there <laughs> no you're refusing it I reactively. Just, Caitlin I mean I don't care about her <laughs> at all I do not care I don't first of all I don't find that kind of like automated hard-bodied blonde to be an attractive type of person under any circumstances um i don't like taylor swift i'm not i don't obviously i don't like ivanka trump uh yeah the icy blonde is not for me well i will make an exception for a hitchcock blonde or like a bisexual killer like sharon stone and basic instinct She's the all-time, you know, best of the archetype. Mm. But Maria Sharapova is not sexy. Like, I don't really get the thing about how she's sexy. Serena is obviously, in that match, Serena is, like, a lot sexier and looks like a woman. And Maria looks like a virgin. And I guess I would have to be, like, a 45-year-old man to find that interesting. I mean, anyone's been, like, a 14-year-old girl. And a virgin could not possibly find, well, what was she, 17? Even 17. You could not possibly find a 17-year-old virgin interesting on account of her virginity. Agreed. I mean, we actually have, um, in the next issue of Racket, this is very, very um, forward-looking, we have an essay about um, Lolita. Oh. And tennis. Of course, because she played tennis. Right. All those and motel it, courts. Exactly. And it's really good. And it's illustrated um, really yeah. well. And I know I'm excited about it just because it kind of gets to some of the stuff, which is like, well, you know, is uh, play innocence, it, you know, the role of sexuality, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Speaking of 45-year-old men, had I been one and had I described Sharapova the way I did in the piece, I think that's what I would have been criticized for. The Fairly. Just like... I don't know, like a sort of obsessive dwelling on her youth and her features and legs and slits and everything, you know, it just would never have, would never have passed muster on, I guess, feminist tennis Twitter. I'm assuming there's a feminist tennis Twitter. You're making me so sad that there isn't really one. (laughs) There isn't? Not really. The the way that the sport is talked about, and this is again why we wanted to start the magazine, is like pretty binary. It's like guys heterosexually 
getting excited about Maria, you know, like it really is that it is a lot of the the sort of like viewpoint that you captured in your piece, which is just like, oh, she has signifiers. She's tall and blonde and has long legs. Therefore, Mm -hmm. we talk about her this way. And there's a long tradition of like Eastern European women being, you know, who kind of fall into that mold. Anna Kornikova was another one. Eugenie Bouchard is now sort of that she's kind of taken up the mantle. She's not very, very good, Eugenie Bouchard. I mean, I think she's very fun to watch. Yeah, she's like all offense. She doesn't have a plan B at all. Kind of like Maria, actually. They have a very similar game. Maria's just a lot better Mm -hmm. at it. But they kind of are this one-dimensional type of person, which I agree. Like, it doesn't appeal to me at all, which is also why, you know, having this chance, this this interesting moment to actually sort of maybe give her some depth or give at Mm -hmm. least the conversation around her some, some added angles was really tantalizing to me so you, I promise you don't ever have to cover her again for Racket Magazine but I'm no. glad that you did for this one <laughs> for this one time <laughs> well I will say that I I was surprised that she was as good a tennis player as she has been and still is mm-hmm. because I had a, I, in my mind she was closer to an Anna Kornikova figure and because she's so uh so inferior to Serena and because uh, her whole fame was originally predicated on, an, on a rivalry that proved to not be, of course, a real rivalry. Mm-hmm. There's no comparison between Serena and anyone else playing right now is the impression that I'm given and which I assume is correct. Um, but she is still very good. Yeah, she's very, very good. I mean, I think she's has especially right now with Serena out for for maternity reasons like she's got she's got a very legitimate claim on the the number one spot this year you know you know when Serena um uh snapchatted you know the the selfie with 20 months I read that she didn't mean to do that that she had been like tracking progress and accidentally sent it to everyone or something Uh uh-huh like okay yeah I guess but then she said that she was going to make the announcement six or seven days later. And I was like, wait, so she would have made the announcement like within a day or two of Maria returning to play. Oh yeah. Which would have been so funny. Well, I she mean... <laughs> made it on Maria's birthday. That was Maria's birthday that she announced. I thought it, it was on Serena's birthday that she announced it. No, it was Maria Sharapova's birthday. That's so funny. See, I feel like it's, um, I, it's it's aggrandizing Maria in a way to suggest that Serena cares at all what I know. Maria is doing and she shouldn't. But of course you like the idea of this like soap operatic, you know, like decades long grudge expressed in a very petty way at the best possible time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I do too. I love it. I know. I, See, this I is absolutely why it's good it. that there's no feminist Twitter because then they would be like, stop pitting women against each other. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing, but then it's like, but it's really fun to watch. A wariness to pit women against each other is why female athletics still lag behind male ones. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> everyone can just get over it. <laughs> it's um, being binary and sort of divided. The piece, what I loved about doing the piece was trying to make it feel uh that it was like a a game to me and and I had to spend hours and hours watching tennis to understand what I was trying to write about even though I wasn't doing like an analysis of her game I still had to be able to describe certain things about her style on the court and so on and I think that really 
affected the way I eventually wrote it because it's very symmetrical, the piece, mm-hmm. with a, like a, a line down the middle, like a half-court line. And at the end of the first section, there's one understanding of the Wimbledon match, and then I do another one right after. And I didn't, I, I like things to be symmetrical, but I didn't realize the extent to which it was, like the way that it was plotted until I looked at it after. And then it's also very ambiguous, and it was nice to do, um, and easy in a way to do something sort of beautiful and ambiguous about somebody that I don't personally care about. Of course, when you're a woman writing about a woman, people assume that you're writing about yourself. But I've never written less about myself, <laughs> other than my own, other than my own love of of the green field at night. Okay, Sarah, everyone who hasn't read it has to go immediately to Longreads, check it out, or pick up a copy of Racket Magazine Issue 3. Um, and please do, um, when adult is ready for primetime again, let us know uh, how to find it. <laughs> because, like I said, it's one of my favorite um, places on the internet. And now knowing that it has found life as two print magazines makes me so, so, so happy. Chris, thank you as well. I feel like I know so much about you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sometimes I can't help. I go on and on and on. <laughs> well, I just thought that was like not uh, not the conversation for a dude to be jumping in on constantly. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. so Sorry, it was super actually, good. Sarah, I, t- I talked about like, there's just obvious identity stuff, but yeah. it's very... No, but no. I actually don't care. I think lots of, you know, there were a lot of smart male comment- commentators about Maria. Totally. Um, I think it's not... The commentators are not really as sexist as I thought that they might be. I don't know why. It was more like men's magazine writers who were really embarrassing. Yeah, totally. I think like people, dudes who are really, really into tennis, like it's, um, you just see it. I don't know. Like, I feel like over the years, like I just feel sadness when I see her sometimes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just, it's been just the way she was raised and everything. It's just, I don't know. It's hard. Um, yeah. Like that's like I like you were saying like she's sort of kind of a boring person and I like have a boring perspective on her which is like when is your life going to start a little bit? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, thanks so much for um for doing this. We really appreciate it. Total pleasure. Yeah. I Thank you, Sarah. Learned so much. I'm like I'm <laughs> an, I'm an adult learner just like Maria at Harvard Business School. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, that was a great conversation. Uh, I uh, wanted to pick back up on something that I wanted to bring up but not slow down the conversation too much, which is Maria Sharapova saying her two favorite people or two of her three people that she would want to have, what, dinner with? No, mixed doubles partner. Mixed doubles partner. That's right. That's right. Mixed doubles partner were Vladimir Putin and James Bond, which is your favorite person and at least in the running probably for your least favorite person all at once. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She really spanned it. Right, right. If she had just said James Bond, I think it would have been like a, a pretty good moment. In, yeah, in, in, we'd be in, in good stead. I could be like, oh, I could see you in a Bond movie. Which one would it be? It would probably be from Washer with Love. You know, full stop. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. Bob, Tied that up real nice. <laughs> but instead, it's uh, Vladimir Putin. Like, was she trying to be like, 
I will never forget the homeland. Here's like a dog whistle for you all. I don't. God, it's God knows. It's bewildering. Also, who's the third person? Is the third third person like in the middle? It's definitely going to be Gandhi, right? It's definitely everybody says mm, Gandhi. No, because fictional character plus non-fictional, you know, quasi despot. Where does that leave you? Like somebody who is like larger than life but real. I you know guess so. Yeah, like Harry Houdini. You know, you're like. <laughs> right. I don't know why I thought of that. Anyway, what an interesting person. Oh man, that was like a very interesting person talking about a not that interesting person, <laughs> which was awesome. Anyway, yeah, ahead. it kind of reminded me of that thing that you're supposed to do at um, dinner parties when you create a seating chart. Yeah. Have you heard about this thing? No, no, no. Go on. Where apparently you're supposed to put the boring people together. Oh. To not drag things down too much. Yeah, and also boring people don't know they're boring, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, I think that's right. So they think they're having the time of their lives, and then all the fun people are off in the other corner. Hmm. So maybe if you were at a dinner party with Gandhi, James Bond, Vladimir Putin, and Harry Houdini, you know, you could make your seating chart accordingly. (laughs) Oh, man. man. One thing, uh, pod spouse Claire, who, by the way, Uh loved her uh, own appearance on the pod the other week. Uh, told me she read um, the piece. She read Sarah's piece, and she was like, "Well, that was amazing." Sarah <laughs> fucking hates her. No, it's so awesome. It's like really comes through <laughs> on like one of the promises of Racket is like that 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 piece. Like it's just so. We'll do it. We'll go there. So, delightful. but to be clear, I didn't. I actually have been describing this piece as very sympathetic to people because I think it is. I think she is so, um, you know, I think she is so professionally adored but personally despised that I feel like despite the fact that Sarah was very candid and not caring about Maria Sharapova and I was very effusive as I think you were too last week when we were talking about how it's like great to see her back. Like, I think it's actually very um, human and generous to try to imagine someone's interior and maybe you get it wrong, but like you're, you're trying to see and acknowledge another human being. Right. right? The key thing for me that like makes me not totally bored with her is just, the fact that she has such a not glamorous game and the fact that she is like a grinder and she has to try really hard. I feel like that's like, she's not like a mercurial, like I'm, you know, I have tons of variety and it's fun kind of game. Like she's like fighting for every match. And uh, there's a lot of redemption in that for all the coldness. I feel like. Yeah. She actually plays a lot more like Nadal than people give her credit for, yeah. you know, she's not, she's not the athlete and I don't think she possesses the variety, but like she cares every point out yep. there um yep. in a way that i think is you know there, that that is something telling about her yeah um you know and and what she's made of and you know maybe I, I i admire that frankly yeah so should we very briefly talk about anything other than maria sharpova cover story there's obviously an incredible tournament going on yeah what's your pleasure okay caitlin i just wanted to bring up two uh two more things which is we had a moment that delighted us this week which was uh zverev saying and wait, I don't know how blue we want to make this. You, you. Well, we're this. already there. Okay, so he he won a match, a tightly con- contested match, and uh, <laughs> and this was funny. The opponent hit a ball long to uh, <laughs> to end the match, and he looked at the crowd and pointing at the court said, "Yeah, this is my fucking court." <laughs> love it. Which I loved, and I loved especially that it was on an unforced error. <laughs> like, yeah. like, usually that would be off like a devastating, you know, rally ball clean winner. Nope. <laughs> great. Yeah, you really want to punctuate that with like some sort of winner if yeah. you're if you're doing it. As a matter of fact, you know who has done that before and pointed to the court? It was Maria Sharapova oh, wow. a couple of years ago, nice. and she had hit a winner. So yeah. you know what? 
It was very, I like your swagger, but like, you know, learn from the master. Yep. I mean, he'll have so many more chances for this. Yeah, uh, he will. He's yeah. young. And yep. I'm pumped that he won't, you know, hey, New Blood making it like actually living up to promise. First title on home soil of Germany. Like, kudos, kid. Yep. Um, and the, the other thing, less fun, is Djokovic sort of getting rid of his team. Uh, that's yeah, he reported. shed his entire team. Yeah, I mean, tennis is a weird sport in that respect, which is like, things are going bad, and I'm going to fire those closest to me. It's like most other sports, you sort of have teammates that try to pick you up over time, and tennis is just like, to make changes, you further isolate yourself. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I hadn't really thought of it that way before. And, you know, to be clear, I think this has been his team, for the most part, like, forever, for like 10, 15 years. Like, even when he was in juniors. You know, obviously, I think the like the entourage has grown a little bit, but you know, right. the the main coach um, had been had been his coach, I think, since he's been a pro, and so now there's like rampant speculation about who's going to step in. Is it going to be like a seasoned, you know, tour grizzled pro who's kind of like like an Ivan Lubchich who's yep. um, been working with Roger Federer? Um, you know, is it going to be some sort of like you know sort of Zen guru type? Personally, I just, for the hell of it, kind of want to suggest Gabriella Sabatini. I was, I was going to say, definitely, like, we're always going to be a uh, women coach for male, a w- woman coach for a male player. Like, that is, that should ha- be happening all the time. Sabatini, though, interesting. 100%. Help, help on clay. Well, mainly for my own self, <laughs> because I would like to be viewing, like, just seeing what she's up to. But Gabriella Sabatini, yeah, like, sure. all day. That would be great. Yeah. You know, so that's based on pretty much no knowledge of what kind of like tactics or game she would impart to him. As far as I can tell, I think it might make his game worse. <laughs> right. It doesn't, doesn't feel like an ideal fit. I think my, 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 my idea would be just, just, just to have like Lena back on the scene. I think it would be so. Oh, good. fuck yeah. Right. Lena. And her game and his game aren't so far apart. I think it could work. They both have great backhands. Yep. 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 What a great idea. Plus, she's like fun. She has a tattoo. And then. Yeah. She, She's got a tattoo yeah. on her chest. Doesn't she have a tattoo on her fucking I chest? I think it's like a sternum tattoo. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Yeah, that's so You're badass. And yeah. also she's got that husband who smokes. Yeah, and she has like a really cool marriage and they like gave each other shit. Like she was like giving him shit during a speech at a, when she won a major. It's great. They're great. Fuck yeah. Lee Na, yeah. dude. Okay, well, you just obliterated my suggestion. <laughs> that's amazing. Also, she, she she can help with his rumored problem marriage too. He's like, he's like getting so much from Lee Na. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Lena repairs yep. his image, gets him back in the headspace. You get that fun smoking uh, husband. And to be clear, I'm not talking about smoking hot. Um, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but he does seem like a good he dude. He seems like a really good we dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I like that guy. Uh, okay, well, that's um, a fantastic okay. suggestion. As always, the best parts of the main draw are when we engage in rampant, wild speculation or <laughs> exactly. post theories that have you know, a very, very little consideration behind them totally and like we do traffic in that but this this would be like a real like no one would be against lena being back on the scene all, all the time and there would be those cool youtube videos of Djokovic hitting with lena in practice that'd be awesome i would i would watch 10 minutes of that no problem i'd like live stream it <laughs> just to see what like lena like would she kind of be a badass would she make him do sprints <laughs> would she like you know get after him for mouthing off i mean she is the product yeah. to her credit of both the intense chinese system that tried to like squelch her individualism, but then also rebelled. So she's got like the best of both worlds, you know. She's got that like intense yeah. training behind her, but also she's like a fucking rebel. Like Lena, I my words cannot 
express totally. my admiration for Lena. I don't think, and I would absolutely love to see her on a regular basis. <laughs> like, if her appearance fee is reasonable, you should get her for the next racket party. Oh fuck yeah! Sure. Can I tell you a story? One time I saw her play at Wimbledon. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I mm-hmm. speak a little bit of Chinese. Oh, right, because you lived there for a year, right? I did. I lived there for almost yeah. two years. Um, so oh. my Chinese is pretty bad, but I can curse and order food really well. Okay. <laughs> which are both incredibly useful. The yeah. former of which came in handy when I was watching Li Na play Karolina Pliskova at Wimbledon in oh. 2013. Won the match, but had some problems and unleashed a tirade of curse words in Chinese. <laughs> which was awesome because i understood what she was saying and it was so filthy dude it was amazing she really went for it chinese people curse really well and she Uh fucking nailed it that's great that's great yeah i know i felt so great i was like sitting there in the stands beaming like there was a bunch of chinese fans too and they were like all laughing and i was like ha 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 yes i get it (laughs) i'm in on this that's awesome yeah exactly so on that note lena for Djokovic's new coach uh a modest proposal (laughs) <laughs> modest proposal alright let's tweet at her relentlessly until she does it deal great idea great okay. plan alright Caitlin have a good week 